0: Welcome to Rock Album Analysts, your weekly podcast where three lifelong friends, rock musicians, and rock fans take an in depth look at a different rock album each week. This is your host, David Lucarelli.
1: This is John Carson.
2: This is Mike Abigan.
0: And today we're going to do something a little different. We are joined by special guest Tom German, and he has been the art director on countless KISS products and projects from uh, their CDs, DVDs, box set, tour books, over a dozen, not to mention working with pretty much every other major band in uh, hard rock and roll and heavy metal. Everybody from Motley Crue, Alice Cooper, Metallica, Cheap Trick. I mean, I could go on and on, but... Tom, you are pretty much the man responsible for the rock aesthetic, as we have come to know it. If we've bought a tour book or seen a CD cover in the last twenty years, so how did that happen? How did you become that guy?
3: Well, I I have to go back in time a bit. You know, I was uh, I was a music fan early on in my you know like five six years old and i'm originally from switzerland grew up in a small town and um i was really into the beatles a couple of friends of mine were you know literally for a few years that's all we listened to and i you know we didn't really have a connection to the outside world much this is like in the mid 70s uh so i'm like oh beatles that's that's all i'm listening to that's all i know and then um i think 79 came around a friend of mine brings the uh seven inch of i was made for loving you to my my apartment and we put it on the turntable and he's like check this out and i'm like oh wow interesting these guys are putting makeup on and stuff and didn't like the song at, at all because it reminded me of what my mom was listening to at the time which was <laughs> you know abba diana ross bg's and <laughs> I'm like why Why would I want to listen to you know but then I remember flipping uh the seven inch and I think hard times is on the back of the b-side and I'm like okay now we're talking <laughs> now I want to know more about this band and you know get into it and then yeah then yeah Dynasty was out and then Unmask came out and Creatures etc so you know became a big fan um and early on, I think, you know, I was always a creative guy. I was always drawing and make, you know, the logos in school, like we, a lot of us did, you know, scratching it into our wooden desks. Mm-hmm. Um, I started realizing, oh, you know, I, maybe this, this is a job. You can make a career out of this. And um, long story short, uh, I eventually ended up at a school called the uh, art center college of design and the an American school, but they had a, a campus in Switzerland also. Hmm. So at that point, you know, I'm like 22. I, I knew I wanted to become a designer because I, you know, my rock star career didn't really pan out the way I,
2: <laughs>
3: I, I just, I just realized, yeah, you know, I'm a decent musician, guitar player, but I'm like, I don't have that. um I'm gonna be much better being in the background with the art and, you know. Um, so I transferred to the main campus in Pasadena in 94. And um, one of my instructors had a connection to MCA Records. And he said, oh, you should call, this is like, you know, I'm like in the eighth grade, uh, eighth term, meaning I'm, I'm finishing. And I went over there with my student portfolio and the guy liked what I was doing, but he didn't have, actually have an opening. So I'm like, okay, fine. So a few months went by and I got another call from the new creative director at MCA Records who then ended up hiring me. And then, you know, I was there for like, you know, work. got to work with on um, projects like BB King and Tom Petty and, oh, the Ramones, yeah, the Ramones was the first thing I did to have me do. And, you know, I was like a junior designer and I was really liking what I was doing. And, you know, I was, I mean, just going back in time quickly, I remember seeing Alive 2 and the the gatefold. And I remember saying to myself, this is what I want to do. Not knowing what this is exactly, album cover design. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm at MCA and I'm a, you know, making 500 bucks a week. Uh, but I'm, you know, this was a different time. Things were not as expensive as they were today. And I'm in my mid twenties, so uh, this was awesome. And I'm at a record company in America. And, and, um, and then the whole thing with Universal happened, the mergers and everything. And I, I left and I started my own business with my wife, which is T42 Design. And then one day, um, the new creative director uh, from Universal calls me, he's like, um, you, have you heard of a band called Kiss? And I said, yes, I have. And he was messing with me because we, we had worked together at MCA, so he knew I was a Kiss fan. And so he, he you know ended up hiring me for that project. And that's kind of how the whole thing with Kiss started box set and it was like literally be careful what you wish for because then i was like oh box set to start with
0: (laughs) no pressure and you you actually told your dad back in in switzerland one day i'm going to work on and design a kiss album right
3: yeah the day that i left it was a dreary one of those dreary january days it was cold and just eh. and he dropped me off at the train station and I was gonna to go to the airport in Zurich to fly over to LA to come to school here. And he's like, "Are you gonna be okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, you know." And I, yeah, like I, like you said, I, that's what I told him. I said, "One day, my plan is to design a album cover for Kiss." You know, and you know, the funny thing is, like, like probably many of us, we, we all had the posters in our rooms when we were teenagers and whatever. And you know, at least my dad was like, "Oh, who are these guys?" This is, you know. Eh, you know <laughs> mm-hmm. but of course years later he's he's all bragging to his friends like oh my son he's friends with gene simmons and he has all of their phone numbers and i'm like stop because you know, <laughs> is... i'm not real i'm not into the whole it's just everything just happened organically no- nothing was ever forced sure. you know and and i did that first project and um, and then they kept coming back to me. Like, I think the next one was the, the, the symphony thing. Yeah, I want to ask you about the symphony because you have that coat
0: of arms on the cover yeah. with the droplet of blood, which is, <laughs> which is great. And then there's the, the, the actual motto on the coat of arms uh, is, sort of translates roughly um, action, not words, right? Or yeah. something something akin to that. Did you come up with that, or was that input from the band?
3: <clears throat> well, this was actually really cool because you know the, the obvious choice was like a live photo of the stage, and we had tons of great photos that ended up in, in the packaging itself. But then like oh, this is you know I'm like this is so boring. But so I they were actually uh, mixing the record at uh, Hanson Studios. with well, Gene and Paul and and the uh, the producer. So they had me come over and I basically on purpose brought printouts of like mock-ups or comps of the cover that I, I basically put it on the table. And I said, this is what we should not be doing. Like the obvious, like a stage shot, KISS logo, and then the titles of sorts. Because I'm like, this seems just like so boring. Let's do something different. And But I, I was honest, I said, I don't have that idea just yet. And then Paul actually said, um, why don't we make it look like uh, the, like as if it was an invitation to an event. Hmm. Hmm. And I th- honestly don't exactly remember who came up with the crest. And I know I did like probably 20, 25 different versions of the crest. And yeah, I think I, we ended up with the flying V and the violin and the little you know, snare drum of sorts and first I had like lions and or dragons and you know all kinds of crazy stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: interestingly enough, the blood drip um, was actually Paul's idea. Huh. And um, yeah, and, and that that was really the only thing they were Gene and Paul were really involved in the cover. And the rest of the packaging, they just kind of let me do whatever. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, a it was an that was with, um, what's the label called sanctuary, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a one-off kind of deal. So they wanted to impress everybody with like elaborate packaging again with, you know, triple vinyl, like a triple gate fold and, you know, digipack with poster and all kinds of stuff. But usually, I mean, with kiss and going back to, uh, kiss rocks vegas um it's really more that the cover they're sort of concerned with that they want to make sure is you know what they think is a cool thing and then when it comes to the rest of the packaging it's really they it's like you do it you you know what to do and of course as the years went by um uh with let's say with Monster and Sonic Boom, you know, Paul really kind of was in the driver's seat, or he still is with the band, in my opinion, where he he kind of calls the shots. Do we go on tour? Do we make a record? Yes, no, it's it's his call. Um um you know in consultation with Gene of course always but mm-hmm. but with the art and you know it's been in recent years him and I and we come up with stuff really quickly and there's no beating around the bush much, you know. Um, yeah, with the tour program, the recent one, they had... Um, yes, yeah, there here we was, go.
1: Yes.
3: yes. My idea was to create the be all end all KISS tour program. Because now we're talking, you know, the last tour. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna use all the ammo that I have or oh, let's say almost all of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And because, um, you know, over the years, I, I I built up a big digital archive of thousands of KISS imagery, you know, photos and scans of ephemera and all kinds of stuff. So my my idea was to create a tour prom program that almost as if a fan would put it together mm-hmm. and the task would be you have one page per tour mm-hmm. you know cram whatever you have in there you know so of course the direction was going to be sort of like scrapbook kind of look and um yeah, I mean, of course the elder didn't have a page because there was no tour.
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I have to say that just as a fan getting this book at the tour, it's a really satisfying tour program. I mean just the the way that uh, I, I guess it's printed on a foil cover, some kind of uh, aluminum. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it really pops just I mean, you know I, I, I don't know if you can see like the way it reflects the light, but it just and the, the, you have that sort of subtle rainbow of colors like circling around the band um i really and and even the, the bold choice of of the the band in their most embryonic form on the first page like that's that's yeah. got to be
3: the earliest known photo of the band that i that i had there there are i know that by now i know that there are others but again the idea was sort of like okay this has to this is about their tours right i wasn't going to go oh, I need to feature every record and every other whatever event. No, this is gonna be about mm-hmm. celebration of, cause the, the tour is called the end of the road. So I'm gonna f- feature each tour equally, not like say, oh, this one wasn't that successful or important, so let's just give that a quarter page. Like, nope, I'm gonna make everyone as if it was equal from, from the club days to you know two years ago. And for some tours, it was easy to find material. Others were, it was quite a challenge. You know, there was, um, and I I reached out to a lot of fans around the world, literally from Japan to Mexico to Germany, uh, all over Europe, US of course. And, you know, the great thing is with KISS fans, they're all so dedicated that, you know, I just say, hey man, you know, send me what you have. I need good scans, this resolution, this and that. I don't have money for you, but you're going to get your name in the program in the special credits thing. And, you know, everybody was ecstatic and, you know, of course people out it. and it's, I'm always amazed and, and very appreciative as the art director that, you know, nobody goes like, yeah, but I want 20 bucks per photo or, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And um, because yeah, if we had to pay every Everybody that supplied photos, you know, this would have been insane, like photo budget, which there wasn't.
0: So, when you're putting together the interiors, are you working primarily with Tommy Thayer or is it Gene and Paul that
3: would be involved with that? On this project, I was not really working with any of them. Normally, in, in, in the previous uh, years, uh, it was mainly Tommy would, who would help me gather photos or supply stuff. But with this one, um, I think they were so busy with like the preparation of the tour. Yeah, because this was the, the, the few months prior to the tour starting. So they were really busy with, you know, the, the stage was being built, the new costumes and, you know, and so they just said, run with it. And I, I, I wrote them a quick email and said, this is my concept, this is my idea. It's like, great, do it. and they didn't they didn't really see it until i had the entire layout together the whole design done and um from i wasn't at that 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 presentation it was a few people from the merch company who presented the layouts to them but uh yeah i heard that they really liked it and um you know i figured oh they (laughs) you guys better like it (laughs) because (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> this, i can't i can't put more in that there's like 700 images in there yeah you know, I mean, and it's a it's so, a thick
0: oh, book too it's like 53 pages or whatever i mean it really yeah you get your money's worth for sure
3: yeah this is not just like a 24 page tour program with like 15 big pictures right right and, yeah and yeah i had a f- I had a few other people involved who helped me with writing the copy you know, a few key phrases or events that happened during that show, tour or, you know, but just because I'm always thinking when I do these KISS projects, OK, so I'm catering, of course, to the diehard fans. Then I'm catering to like your regular KISS fan who's not like some crazy collector who hasn't seen and unheard and read everything there is. But then also dealing I'm catering to new fans. And we've all seen those at at uh, at kids' where you have, you know, the sixty-five-year-old dad who brings his son, who's now in his mid-thirties or something, and then that dad brings his kid. Oh yeah, the ten-year-old boy. So I want that kid to look at this tour program and go like, "Wow, this is like a whole new discovery of like I've never seen any of these pictures." And so it's it, with kids in particular. It's always like you got to juggle like between all this you know demographic of (laughs) from five-year-olds to 70 year olds right right and not
0: only that but you've got you know all the work for all those album covers and tour books with dennis woolock that produced over the years that you've got a stay true to the spirit of that to a certain extent but also make it fresh and exciting and new so it seems like that's actually a a lot on your plate i mean they are one of the most iconic bands ever and yet you've got to incorporate all of that and still do something that hasn't already been done
3: that becomes more and more the challenge with kiss because so much has been done you know like when it comes Mm -hmm. to photo shoots it's like okay, what do we do? And like, you know, you brainstorm I mean, you. How about, you know, silver mylar, you know, background or like uh, some great, or create, you know, whatever texture stuff. And, um, you know, you can't go like, hey, how, what about we go downtown, uh, in some back alley? like, You know, well, that's kind of lick it up, you know, video done that, you know, like, mm-hmm what about neon too? Eh, you know, done that for the elder.
0: <laughs> now, one of the things that you've used a couple of times is the, what they call the kiss icons, those, those circular um, yeah. photos that were actually designed by somebody else, right? But you used them in the kiss icons mm-hmm. best of, and then you also used them in the kiss rocks Vegas.
3: Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, You know, I honestly don't know who actually designed those um yeah i i I don't know but they were they i guess they were just supplied to me as you know whatever digital files they were and uh, you know you know they're they're cute and cool in a way you know so i use them whenever i feel it's appropriate they've been kind of used a little bit too much, mm. you
0: know. I had one one question about that. I noticed, like, sometimes when they use them, they straighten the paw because it's the only one that's that's angled, mm-hmm. and I noticed that you kept the angle for that. Is, was that something that, did you try that both ways, or was that something that was even discussed?
3: No, I think I just used it the way I got it. Okay. And probably didn't even, perhaps didn't even question that I, yeah, I mean, it just, you know,
2: Mike, you had a question. Yeah, I was just going to say that you know it's interesting uh, when you compare um, you know the work that you've done, uh, Tom, with Kiss and you know programs. If you relate that to let's say theater, like if you go see uh, a performance of Wicked, you know what you get in terms of the program when you walk into the show is basically a bunch of narrative about what they've all done before, and you get like a little tiny photo of you know their face, and you know it looks nothing like what they look like in, in the show. Yeah it's interesting like that approach has not been taken or you, that you know the work that you've done or you know kiss has done has never really in, crossed over into other markets in a way mm-hmm. like you know obviously the, you know, the classic Kiss tour programs from the 70s they could either be just a big photo like you said of you know gene ace peter you've got that and you've got a couple live shots you've got some narrative but you know flash forward to now where you've got a you know a, much like we were talking about the end of the road tour program, think about the, uh, the creatures of the night uh, tour program, which is essentially the the same kind of thing. It incorporated all the guys that were in the band up until that point, Mm -hmm. you know, which was, you know, years ago, but it's funny to see that like other major markets had never really taken that approach. Like anytime you go to see theater, you get this distilled program, a bunch of narrative and a photo and, and that's it. And the biggest image is on the front cover and that's all you get, which is really kind of, you know, the downfall in a way, because, you know, when you want to go to see a show, you want to be able to know more about what you want to see more about what you're about to see in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the tour program is a way much like the old days in the seventies, where you would just like buy, you know, rock magazines and read about stuff. That's all we had. We didn't have internet, right? You know, and the tour program is your way to take that show home and relive it in a way. And I think that's always continued much like the work that you do.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's always, um, you know, but the programs, I think, you know, to be honest, like some, some had a, have much more thought in it than others, and mm-hmm. some, of course, I had much more time, like like the end of the road. Um, that was probably that came together probably within two months. Okay, at the end of. Uh, what year was it? <laughs> when did we start going to concerts? Uh, so the tour a tour started early 2019. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was like at the end of 2018. And yeah, the issue was that we didn't have new shots, new live shots yet. Yeah. You know, so we, uh, yeah, that's why the first if you look in the very back of the program v1 or two or three or f- so no the one that isn't that that doesn't that doesn't have a v1 because at that point i didn't know that there's going to be more versions mm. uh, you know so the one that doesn't have the little green v or something uh that i guess that one is pretty sought after and that one i don't think has it has the studio shots like the, the cover of course and then centerfold with you know the the gold records behind but we didn't have live photos yet because they didn't you know they didn't go on tour until january or february was i forget Uh, but then quickly we made a, a second version where i had a few photographers shoot up and down the west coast Uh, An opening night and stuff like that down in Anaheim. And, you know, we, so we ended up replacing a few pictures quickly, literally quickly within a few days and they printed more. And (laughs) so, or like, you know, another program, I think the the tour was called Kiss World, Right. when they were doing the creatures of the night costumes. So I figured, you know, know, I'm going to pay a little homage to the, the creatures that the 10th anniversary, tour program and had a very sort of Mm. simple kind of rigid classic design so I kind of picked up on that and did a little a new you know interpretation but there was no deeper thought behind it in in that sense and that was you know in terms of the the work that was that had to be put together I remember pretty quickly within I think two weeks so sometimes you know somebody calls you and like hey we just had a meeting and the tour program came up and like Yes, and <laughs> when you need it, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, but also much to that point, when it comes to, you know, let's say, you know, version one and version two of tour programs, I remember that the, early on in the uh, Dynasty tour, there was a very sort of sterile version of the, of the tour program, and it, re- it was only select, you know, photos in the thing, and then, like, they released another version later that had other shots, you know, that weren't necessarily live, but, like, they just tried to, you could tell they wanted to bolster the thing mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, which, which is, you know, again, to your point about, you know, how things develop, uh, but also too, with the, I think it was the first KISS tour program, which was the seventy-five seventy-six. 76, um, you know, it was, you know, there were live shots in that tour program, but also too, I always found it interesting too, that in later on in 1978, if you look at the uh, Boston Don't Look Back tour program, it's the same format as the first KISS tour program. Mm-hmm. It's the same, you know, it's the same layout. It's the same thing. It's like, It's the same dimensions. (laughs) It's exactly the same. So no wonder KISS, you know, we're always in the forefront of, okay, this is the way things need to be and this is the way things are going to go. And everybody else, you know, would learn from that, which is amazing in in my mind. Those guys, early on, you know, we need a tour program. Okay, what's it going to be like? Well, it's going to be this. (laughs) And then that became the standard.
3: Right, yeah. I mean, I have to say, like, over these years, and yeah, it's been 20. And uh, the first program I did was when they uh we're going to uh melbourne for the symphony and this is obviously prior to the to the show so i figured Mm. you know let's do a little thing on like kiss in australia so you know I, i of course there's always images that you know have been seen or so but i'm like okay you know it's like if i can't use any anything that has you know has been seen that i can't make stuff you know yeah um but of course i always try to like find images that are rare and that haven't been seen a million times even though they may be great certain photo sessions you know with barry levine or so but i'm like okay maybe I'll find an outtake or that's a bit more different you know different of sorts but yeah the symphony was the first one that's when tommy joined the band mm-hmm. and um Yeah, him and I were, at that point, we we started establishing a really good working relationship because he was still, yeah, he was the new guitar player in the band, but he was also still sort of, he he was sort of, for a few years or a certain amount of years, he was still transitioning over from what he was doing before as like the day-to-day manager of the band, whatever needed to be done, he would take care of it and i mean he's he's one of the greatest guys i've I've worked with in this business. I like just you know i'm I'm always the first one to defend Tommy Thayer with all the you know yeah, we're all big Ace really fans, but let's face it, Ace left the band you know several times, and Tommy came in and he's doing a great job and he's he's a super sweet guy he's a very professional as of course deep knowledge about the band and so it's it yeah with working with him has been really really cool.
0: Now when it comes to working with Gene, it was you that came up with the idea of a full size guitar case to hold the deluxe box set, right?
3: Well actually I have to correct you. Okay. The, um, that that actually um, I have a I have a sketch somewhere I, I somewhere in this pile over there. But no, it was, it was actually Gene. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, who had that idea. I, I would love to take credit for it. <laughs> well, how about the vault? Uh, well, the vault, um, I think that was already sort of being discussed within you know the few people inside of uh, Rhino. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the name was given and the idea of making it this gigantic life-size vault you know box that was sort of given and i was like okay fine and the printer that was doing the thing he had made some mock-ups already and so i can't i with the ball that kind of came in a little bit after the fact not from like when we had just a a blank piece of paper and i'm like you know that sometimes happens where like some things have already been discussed and established and So with the vault, I basically was in charge of the the book itself, which to me is the brain of the whole thing. Yeah, which is
0: also beautifully done. Yeah, Um, I mean, really, I was just looking through this again today. Uh, You really feel like you're taking a walk through gene simmons's mind and body and soul okay. reading this thing um it's yeah. so well put together i i love the way that you do the overlays of the text over sketches that he did or yeah you know song lyrics that he had handwritten um i wanted to ask you there's a couple of pictures in here that are beyond just song lyrics with chords they're actually um where he's written out the chords and uh and the melody lines for the songs that mm-hmm. appear did he actually do those himself
3: yeah that's all stuff i got from him okay uh, yeah yeah um you know i was over at his house which is for sale by the way right 25 if million <laughs> you've got to burn in <laughs> a hole in your pocket yeah come on <laughs> yeah you know. um no but he, he he i have to say it, it was really really cool because now I'm working with Gene, the musician, not Gene, the demon of KISS. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to separate that, you know, to to like, okay, now this this is not the guy that I normally deal with. Uh, so I have to, there's just not going to be, there, there will be makeup photos in there, but just a few select here and there, because that's part of it. But yeah, I said, you know, give me, give me everything you can, wanna give me. Mm-hmm. And uh when we started the project, he sent me an email. He's like, Can you come by tomorrow at eleven AM? I have a box for you. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, I'll I'll be over. And yeah, there were like handwritten lyrics and pages of sketches of drawings of like and all these Polaroids from you know from his bands that he had way, you know, and I, I said, you know, wow, you're giving me you're giving me a lot of like valuable stuff, and he's like guarded with your life. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> you know. When I when I'm done scanning, I mean, I was scanning hundreds of things. Uh, that just took two three weeks to scan all this stuff. Yeah, um, that's usually with projects like this a big part like the, the the work that nobody sees like the, the behind this the real behind the scenes like the research of, of of visuals scanning retouching you know like hours and hours of work sometimes weeks and um he really opened up and i said you know this is about you you need to you give me whatever you want and You know, then I remember we walked into his living room and he pulls out this family photo album, you know, from with the kids. Like, and I I said, no, you know, this is this is a bit too personal. Mm. He's like, you can have it, (laughs) bring it back. Like, I I just kind of looked at it and I said, no, you know, this is this is your this is this is too private. Like, I don't think we need to go, you know, I'm more interested in in just you. Yeah, there's obviously some some family photos in there and stuff but he, he really opened up and, and just you know gave me whatever I wanted
0: so now your company it's, it's literally a mom and pop shop right it's you and, and your wife and she's yeah. an artist too so do you guys ever collaborate when working on with bands or album covers or do you do your own separate things
3: oh no yeah we oftentimes do I mean there's actually projects where people think I did the cover art um and then you know i i tell him no it was actually my wife her her name is toby Mm
0: -hmm.
3: hence t42 t42 tt you know for two people Ah. um yeah uh, she's worked on kiss stuff too where in the end to me it doesn't really matter whether it's i mean most of the kiss stuff is my thing but she would help me out with layouts or whatever um if she has time and Oftentimes, the way we start working on a project, you know, new project comes in, we talk about it, we evaluate. Okay, this is more your thing. This is more my thing. She does a lot of more corporate things. Um, in terms of her, her design style, is a bit more. It's less rock and roll. I'm more the yeah, rock rock guy. Okay. Um, she's also more patient, so she does a lot of internet like web design and things like that. Now, um, I
0: saw she was educated. She went to CMU. We're all from Pittsburgh, so we all know that school. And John actually teaches art, so he probably has some questions for you too about advice that you could give to you know the kids he teaches about how to do what you do.
3: Yeah, good question. Yeah, you know, I I often think about like the kids that are in design and art schools now, and and what kind of future they have as professionals because, I mean, I think I was lucky I graduated in the mid-90s and, you know, the record industry was still great and, you know, well, it wasn't like the 80s where people were selling millions and millions of records, but it was still thriving business. Um, I just feel overall, like, whether you're a photographer or graphic designer or illustrator, or a musician, or probably a producer, the budgets are not what they used to be. I feel sometimes um, you're not getting the same respect as you once used to. Like, and what you do is sort of got devalued.
1: Because
3: mm. now it's like, things have to be done quick and fast, and oh, we're doing a photo shoot. Oh, you got an iPhone? Yeah, like, let's do that. Like, what? <laughs> um, you know, we used to have Big productions like, you yeah, know, the photographer cost $8,000 and location, two grand. And I mean, yeah, there, it was done properly. Yeah, of course, there were, you know, I've been on photo shoots where it was very excessive. The catering costs more than the photographer's,
1: <laughs> you know, fee, yeah. you know,
3: stuff like that. Um, but yeah advice you know it's it's good i i I just say you know i mean learn the craft real well like if if you like what you're doing you know whether and i i would say that applies to anything um and yeah i mean it's it's it sounds like a cliche but you got to work your ass off to get somewhere
1: yeah that's the one of the things that i've learned a long time ago when I got into creating art was great artists are always a little touched in the head you have to be sort of obsessive about what you're doing mm-hmm. and I tell that to students of mine I'm like if you really want to do this then you really you know because I even I really wanted to do it and I wound up as a, as a teacher not as an actual you know working in art you know there's um, you know I worked as a photographer for a while and stuff like that so you got to really want it is what I tend to tell them. And it's hard, um, particularly now. Um, yeah. with there, there's no gatekeepers anymore and that kind of stuff. So people are throwing stuff out on you know, Etsy and, and everywhere else. Um, and hopefully the cream rises to the top, but it's very hard to find what's good anymore because it's there's this fire hose of the new that's always coming out. So, well, yeah. okay as, as I like, get like what's the what project are you most proud of as an artist like what's the thing you're like this is the thing I did that I will you know I'm gonna tell my kids that this is the best thing I've ever done
3: <laughs> well <clears throat> okay so there's this band uh, Slipknot yes
1: yeah
3: mm-hmm. um I think by pure luck perhaps I don't know but Sometimes I ask myself, is luck really something that, or did did I actually kind of steer it? So we're going into 1999, you know, T42 was maybe two, three years old at that point. And we were getting a lot of work from Universal, like the best of the Go-Go's and the best of Engelbert Humperdinck and things like that, which, you know, helped us start our business so we can pay bills. Right. Yeah. And I created this uh, promo piece, like a mailer, which back then, you know, there was no social media, of course. You know, researching all the cr- creative directors, art directors at all the record companies or m- names of managers. I, m- I remember making this big mailing and on a Friday afternoon, the art director from Roadrunner Records calls me. I was literally about to sh- shut down my computer it was maybe 5 o'clock or 5.30. And uh, she's like, hey, this is Linda from Roadrunner in New York. And the first thing I say is like, you're still at work? I, th- I never met this person. You know, it <laughs> just, just came out. And I was like, yeah, and we work all the time in New York. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, hmm. she goes, well, we just signed this band Slipknot from Des Moines, Iowa. They wear coveralls and wear weird masks. I'm like, <laughs> this is right up my alley, you know. <laughs> being a KISS fan and I'm obviously always been interested in artists that have more of a visual approach to their presentation whether it's you know whoever so I started working with Slipknot and we did the first album and the second one and yeah obviously they were very successful the band went off being you know huge and all that but going back to your question about what am I most proud of so in recent years and or over the years in particular with this band um people have approached me whether it's through social media or so where they're like hey man you know that first Slipknot album came out that made me want to become a a graphic designer Mm. or a photographer and you know and and just uh, just the other week I was talking to somebody um who kind of went through that and and that that's what I'm most proud of. I mean, yes, of course, I'm proud that I've worked with all these artists and all that stuff. But the fact that I actually was able to lit a little spark under a few people's asses to (laughs) inspire them to, because I was like that too. I was that kid. I was like a fan of, you know, the Dennis Wallachs and, you know, um, all these like art directors who created all these, great album covers whether it was in you know police ghost in the machine or breakfast in america super tramp mm. and um yeah. or i mean i you know i mean of course um what's his name you know storm thurguson pink floyd mm. you know pink i mean yeah. those people are my heroes and uh to get that sort of inspiration and and then one day we, you can give that back and inspire a young, you know, kid, teenager, that they want to do this too. Uh, that's that's kind of the coolest thing. That's more important than any money uh, or any fame or awards, which I don't, don't really care about anyways. Um, like, you know, we, we never participated in any of those award uh, things, uh, you know, art directors, uh, whatever thing, yeah. To me, art, art is not a competition. It's not like this is better than this.
0: Right. I do think that, that that cover is so iconic because it really captures the spirit of the band. I mean, that cover looks exactly like Slipknot sounds. It's very dark and disturbing and distressed mm-hmm. and like you know, it's it's got so many layers and then the way, right, yeah. the way parts of it are blurred. Um, I you know I, I can see the influence of your work in lots of other things that have come since then.
3: Yeah, I mean, with this band, and this was always in collaboration with uh, Sean, the guy who's the, the, the clown in the band. I mean, um, he's sort of the creative guy uh, when it comes to the visuals. And yeah, this finally was a band where like, okay, we can, we can push we can really push the envelope with the visual here we can we can you know inspire irk, irritate, offend people, but not just for this for the sake of it mm-hmm. you know like like with the second album, Iowa, you know we had this goat on the cover, and you know um for the first time, actually, I would get not not too many, but some emails are like, "Oh you know, how dare you." You guys are like Satan worshippers. I'm like, no, you you just don't get it at all. Like the goat represents leadership, you know, and like Sean Clown would always say, you know, I want you guys to go out and do your own thing. Don't be sheep. Don't be just following what other people tell you. So, yeah, there was a message behind it and some people didn't get it. But, you know, there's always those, of course.
0: (laughs) So positive rebellion. Which is, ironically, uh, a message that you yourself have been carrying forth in your line of rock shirts for kids.
3: Yeah, yeah. That was another thing we started uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I think mainly came out of, um, you know, we have a 13-year-old daughter. And, you know, at some point, kids grow out of the fairy tales, uh, the, the fairies and the you know, rainbows and, you know, things have to be cooler. So we're like, you know, my wife would go out shopping. It's like, come back empty-handed. There's nothing cool out there. I'm like, why don't we make our own line of clothes of designs for the, you know, eight, nine-year-olds to 12, 13-year-olds? Because um, that's where, that seems really like a, a age group that's just missing out there and you know we're still plugging away with it and you know it's 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 a fun thing it's it's something it's not a main business it's something we do on the side um you know rnrk you know stands for rock and roll kid which is basically kind of about me in a way uh, i think that's where sort of the um, whatever i design for these kids is stuff that i would kind of wear myself sure <laughs> and yeah i was like yeah let's do the positive rebellion let's you know like and uh yeah you know we haven't made uh millions and millions of dollars yet but again it's not really about that in my opinion it's really more about creating stuff and yeah of course you want to make money you want to get your get your money back but with a brand like this you really need to give it about two years until you can tell that it's you know going further until until then it's just you know you, you break even
0: <laughs> okay um real quick i wanted to ask you about some other iconic uh covers that you've been involved with um mm-hmm. the you've done a couple of of covers that are really i think iconic for a band called breaking benjamin the one yeah. the one with the uh man with the angel's wings blurred above the highway and then the, the cover of the eyeball with the sphere of of fire both yep. really super powerful powerful images how how did those come
3: about uh interesting story um how it came how how i got connected with the band um so after mca i worked at a record label called red ant for about a year and so this is like uh 97 um they had the cheap trick on the roster
1: mm-hmm.
3: cheap trick was being managed by a manager called larry maser who previously managed kiss right yeah so larry and i kind of became friendly and he, he managed a couple other artists and um then i left the, the this label and you know, we we would stay in touch when he would come into town and we'd maybe meet up or something. And then one day he called me and he's like, um, I'm managing this band, Breaking Benjamin. And I'm like, oh, never heard of. And he's like, oh, they're from, you know, uh, where are they from? Pennsylvania, somewhere in Pennsylvania, somewhere, hmm. maybe, you know. And he said, we just fired, or the band just fired the designer that they initially hired and we want you to do this and at that point uh, nothing was done yet so it was still we had a uh, you know clean slate um was me coming in fixing existing or art that was maybe half done or something and i said well what's the title of the record and um, he said it's called saturate and coincidentally that week i had a an old friend of mine from switzerland who's uh, cardiologist staying at my house. He was in LA for some conference, doctor's conference of sorts. And he, one evening at dinner, he asked me what we're working on. And I said, um, you know, this this project just came in and now I have to look for imagery that is appropriate. He's like, well, I don't know if it's does anything for you. Maybe you want to take a look. I have this uh, CDR in my briefcase it's images of infected blood cells. And I said, uh, well, let's pop it in the computer. So we click through it. I'm like, oh, this is really cool visual stuff. I mean, and I said, can I use these images? He's like, yeah, f- of course. Just give me a credit in in you know, in the credits. Uh, so you'll see somewhere in the credits, it says, uh, you know, his name, doctor, etc. And I said, sub- you know, made a few comps and I said, and that's when we started incorporating the um their logo within the art. The shadow um, on the road. Yeah. And some sometimes it's a bit more obvious, other other times, like on the last one with the on the iris, some people took them forever to, to actually see it. Um mm. but that's when we started doing this, because there was a magazine out at the time by john f kennedy jr a magazine called george and mm-hmm. on that cover with each issue there was a little george washington icon somewhere hidden in the cover okay and this just kind of like a, a little fun gimmick thing and i thought well let's do something similar we'll hide that logo somewhere in the cover sometimes you see it easier than other times um and yeah, the band like you know did well on the first album. Sold I don't know, hundred fifty thousand two hundred. and the next then they did an, The next album that did better, and and then I started realizing after the first one, like I've always been a fan of um, not so much of the band, uh, the band Chicago, mm-hmm. but of their album covers, how they always yeah. had that sort of continuous line of. You have the logo, but the, the execution is always different. You know, Sometimes it looked like chocolate or etching in metal or whatever. So it had this sort of continuation. And I'm like, I to, at that moment I started realizing I can do this with Breaking Benjamin or at least I'm gonna try. I didn't, I didn't think I would be doing six records with them <laughs> over the span of 15 years. But so, you know, established the font, the logo for the name and then the title, one is always in the upper left, one is always in the upper right. So you know, and then the image had to be always very powerful. And um, and in a way, actually, the visuals is sort of tells the story of uh, Ben, the the main guy of the the band. Um, he's been going through, you know, issues. Uh, no need to go into but literally every cover kind of continues telling his story in a way hmm. yeah maybe in a bit more subliminal way um but it kind of um like the previous record from uh what was it called from dusk till dawn or dawn to dusk i forget but it had that sort of um solar thing which which rep- represented uh Rebirth or a new a new beginning because yeah at that time he had a he just became a dad and so his life was good again he left his demons behind and you know hmm. the, the the classic you know cliche demons in rock and roll right, um, yeah yeah so that 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 has been really cool I'm I'm waiting for him to make a new record and so we can do number seven awesome. <laughs> but that's very unusual that you get to work with a band and for that long for that many records and really create this sort of story over 15 16 something years now that's um you know and again like it came through a connection i had from a previous work job and i mean a lot of stuff happens that way i think you know mm. But every time you have to prove yourself that you're you know what the hell you're doing
0: right well obviously yeah. you're very talented and very creative, but how much of the job is dealing with sensitive musicians and being able to interpret their vision and and being the type of guy that they want to spend hours in a room with right that's got to be a large part of it
3: yeah um I mean I think i'm I'm I can take people the way they are and uh, adapt. I mean, that's also something you don't learn in art school or design college. You know, I mean, it's like, you you, you, you got to learn how to deal with Gene Simmons or, and you know, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to let this guy like mess with me. I'm just going to be straightforward and like, no, I don't want to bullshit. And I'm I'm pretty honest and straightforward with people, and always try to be you know professional about it. Um, it has it's it's it was usually in my when I think back. Some artists that were difficult to deal with. Coincidentally, there there were a few. I would say yeah, three in my career. That were really that were different. New bands, new signings that in i think two out of those three cases their album actually didn't even come out ah. because oftentimes those guys you know they think oh yeah we're rock stars we got signed to Warner I'm like no you're nothing
0: so if they have trouble getting along with you that's probably a sign that there's trouble elsewhere
3: <laughs> right then you find out like you talk to like the publicity person or like you know the marketing guy and I'm like hey I'm not you know yeah do you hear the same story It's like the big names that I worked with uh and granted some some I never you know uh, had direct connection sometimes it goes through a management or a, a in between person um like w- when I work with Metallica on this the the photo book or the tour program there was a couple of quick exchanges with, um, Lars and James. Um, but they were, you know, they're both cases was like, well, you know, you know what you're, you know what you're doing. So just do it. Right. And sometimes it sounds very unspectacular. It's not like you get some like hour long brief about this is, you know, (laughs) sometimes it's just like, but I think only over time when you start having some experience and you know, okay, I'm not really getting a brief here. It's up to me to uh, put this whole thing together right? and the people that I am involved with, whether it's a photographer or, you know.
0: So in cases like that, where it really is the ball in your court and you're not interpreting what somebody else is is going for, Do you, Mm -hmm. is it harder working on your 300th blank
3: slate album cover? I mean, do you, do you worry about repeating yourself or how does that all work? Well, I'm sure that has happened. I mean, in the case of Slipknot, you know, once these guys blew up, I literally, not every band from uh, on on the road or on the records wanted to work with me, but you know, because we're a new business. Now, so I, I didn't say literally no to any of the, the, the new projects that were coming in, but I would say, you know, let's say Machine Head or Fear Factory, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, can you do what you do with Slipknot? I'm like, nope. Because <laughs> you're not that band. Your you're Fear Factory is totally mm-hmm. different kind of animal. Machine Head at the time, I didn't really know the band that well, but, um, you know, of course, yeah, it's metal or you know whatever the, the genre is called exactly at the time, and we had the same photographer, so there was some overlap. Um, but yeah, I would tell people like, no, let's let's come up with. Of course, there's always a signature of mine that carries through my work, but I try to give each artist like its own kind of thing, you know, and and yeah, sometimes you 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 realize, and that for me, is sort of the worst moment like oh crap i'm I'm kind of doing what I just did for these guys, mm. and then like I scratch it, you know um, mm-hmm. start over, and but uh, yeah, now, with
0: all the top guys that you've worked with, if I am in an up and coming band, maybe signed to an indie label. I know I would be intimidated before I called that phone number to call T42 because I would think like this guy's worked with the biggest names in the business. I'm sure I can't like even you know be on his radar in terms of working. him. Yeah. is that true?
3: No, it's it's actually co- totally the opposite, um, and that's been in some. I you know it's been a bit of problem or at least like when we sort of were really, really hot with the Slipknots and, you know, the, the Whatnots. <laughs> we're like, oh my God, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, now these guys want to like top dollar and, you know, they don't. But I always tell people like, just because I work with KISS and I've worked with Eddie Van Halen and Def Leppard and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I just always try to stay humble. For me, it's, it's, it's work. And I've worked with many artists where, you know, I'd say some new artists would come and say, oh, we really want to work with you, but you know, I'm sure we can't afford you. I'm like, how much you got and what do you want to do? What's, what's, you know, I've, I've done stuff. I, I'm not going to say a number, but for (laughs) very little money, if I have the time to squeeze it in, and if you don't pressure me, if you give me plenty of time to work on it, you know, uh, if I really like this new band or artist, um, I've done that, you know. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I can compensate with working with the big names where what I'm not getting from this guy, I'm gonna add, you know, making better money over here with this project, but, it, for me, it's always about the the art, uh, the, the love for the art, and the love for the music. And of course, you know, you need to get a business going and need to pay bills. Um, but yeah, um, sometimes it's a bit of a uh, yeah, a, a, an issue where, like, oh, yeah, now they're like working with all these big names, that can't afford them anymore. I'm like, dude, we work out of our house. I mean, we have a separate <laughs> office. I don't have crazy overhead, I don't have to pay employees. So, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Um, Mike, did you have a question?
2: Yeah, you know, Tom brings up a, a great point about, you know, he mentioned a band like Chicago, which, you know, pretty much I think every album that they ever released up until the point of Hot Streets was only mm-hmm. the logo. And that's all you knew about the band, like in terms of, you know, the visual when you buy the record, you know, which there are those bands where, yes, they are less interesting than other bands. Like Kiss is very interesting. They were pretty much, with the exception of The Elder, I think you, you there was always the image yeah. of Kiss oh, yeah. on, on the front yeah. of the album, right? which is huge. Uh, there are also other bands like Boston, which, you know, you look at them as a bunch of guys, they're not really that interesting. You know, you look at the back cover, you say well, they look average, like average Joes. But it's interesting, too, also, too, because in, 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 I was talking to a friend um, earlier this week about, you know, whether or not, you know, a band that I'm playing in should, like, you know, change the logo of the band for the mm-hmm. next release we're mm-hmm. going to do. And there are those bands like Motley Crew where they've pretty much changed the logo on most of their albums Every time. throughout yeah. their career. Yeah. Whereas bands like Kiss, it's like Kiss, you know, The Elder, Kiss, mm-hmm. you know, Creatures, you know, there's all these variables in, in terms of, you know, the way, but being in that position, like, you know, what do you decide in terms of what's really going to sell the album? Is it going to be like a, you know, a Yes record where it's, you know, you got the, you know, the visual and that's it and, that, and that's what you're going to buy into or do you want to, you know, put a picture of the band on the cover? It, it, it's a leap of faith in a way when it comes to you know if you want to put a picture of the band on the cover do you look do you guys look cool do you look like you are those musicians that are playing that music does that fit it's it's a hard choice in a way
3: yeah i mean that's the hardest part i think being a, an artist whether you're a musician or a designer um or any of the other that are in this category it it's, it's a it's a sequence of very tough decisions that you have to make and sometimes you just don't have time to ponder over it. You have to like, literally go with your instinct and say, "Okay, let's do this." And sometimes it backfires. Where like, you know, I remember when uh, Monster came out. A lot of fans were like, "Yeah, this cover sucks." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, it's not the you know, it's not a, it's not the Mona Lisa of Kiss covers, but for us, for from for me and Paul at the time." We wanted it to be really simple and like in your face, just a photograph with the logo, just bold. And like, this is, this, this is the, the, the band now. That was the message, mm-hmm. you know? And it wasn't about uh, trying to recreate something that was done in the past because we did that before with Sonic Boom where we hired the same illustrator, illustrator who did Rock and Roll Over and i think that was you know a good attempt of recreating something from the past with a new modern you know i'm perhaps maybe not the guy who's crazy about generally that those kind of ideas of trying to recreating something from the past i mean i think it's cool if you give a nod to something if you do a new th- uh, an album cover where there's something that may remind somebody, oh, yeah, I see where that's coming from, the inspiration, But you know. But, yeah, it's always about, because you're given a timeline, the bands in the studio, they're mixing, you get the call, oh, what about the art? I'm like, yeah, what about the art? Nobody's called me (laughs) until today. How much time do we have left? Oh, we need to go to print in four weeks. Oh, excellent. (laughs) You know, so sometimes, yeah, I would drive over to – the recording studio meet up with paul for 20 minutes and like okay this 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 all right good see you next week i mean you know it's very gotta get stuff done stuff has to go to the printer yeah and yeah sometimes you're like oh i wish i had another week to work on this or you know so but, you know, also too, at the
2: same time, there are bands like, you know, uh, let's say Def Leppard, you know, which, you know, uh, in their time, you know, they kind of looked, you know, cool for the era. And it, they could have easily posed for like a band shot and it would have been the album cover, but, you know, they chose not to right. you know, up until a certain point. And that works, even like Metallica, right? I mean, it's usually, you never see the band if you look at the back of the record. It's I just find it interesting that you have bands that decide, this is our image, this, this is what to look like. You got the Beatles and you got Kiss and, you know, <laughs> In between that, you know, you really see like you know pictures of Jimmy Page and Robert Plant on the cover of Led Zeppelin records. You know, it's 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 just an interesting choice when it comes to artwork and what's going to sell the record. But at the same time, too, with Kiss or the Beatles, you kind of just buy into it. I I go, I want to see what that's about. When it comes to other bands that aren't as visually or, or presentable in a way, you know, you have to become more creative when you don't see an image of the band on the cover? And is that what sells the product? It's it's a major point to consider.
3: Yeah, I mean, of course with KISS, you always want to push the four faces because that's just what sells. And that's the, the iconic imagery. And that's why I was, you know, going back to uh, Dave, you asked me about which project am I most proud of? It. And particularly, I would say with KISS, uh, Uh, the symphony thing because it didn't have the band on it Mm -hmm. because we actually Mm -hmm, did something very conceptual that was you know i i was like oh you guys are you sure you want to do this like you don't want to put you guys on the cover Mm because and so that was cool and i I wish we couldn't i mean you know i don't think there's going to be a new kiss studio record anytime soon if ever but um, so that was really, the symphony was cool because it didn't have that, the obvious, the four faces mm-hmm. in some sort, um, you know.
0: Now, are you working on uh, the Dubai DVD or Blu-ray thing I, I at all? Have no,
3: nothing to do with it.
0: Okay. I know you just did the Soul Station album, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that gave you an opportunity to do some some different stuff with with uh, Paul. Yeah,
3: no, uh, that was fun. Um, I mean, you know, obviously this is like uh, this is back in I think November when you know COVID was you know crazier than it is now, I guess. Um, So you know they had they had a photo shoot or he had a photo shoot organized with the band and and although he invited me, he's like. You know, I needed to go get a test, the quick, uh, whatever you call it, a quick test mm. before. And I'm like, I looked it up and I'm like, yeah, $250, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I said, oh, yeah. I told him, I said that, you know, I, I really appreciate the offer and um, the invitation to come to, to the photo shoot and stuff. But I, I can't, you know, I think it's better. The less people at the photo shoot, the better. Because, you know, you know, people are, you know, like, we were all uh, edgy and some paranoid, whatever. Uh, Where, yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, um, he he art-directed the photo shoot, and um, we just, you know, wanted to represent the band, because, yeah, it's him, but it's him and the band. It wasn't just about him, because, I mean, he's got top cats in that band. Oh, my God, like, these guys are... <laughs> Um, Yeah, so that one, a couple of projects, again, in the situation, can't talk about it yet, because it hasn't been announced.
0: But there is cool stuff coming our way from KISS eventually, you could say that. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Um, Is there anybody left on your bucket list at this point? Where you're like, I would love to do an album cover for that artist, and I just haven't done it yet.
3: Well, seeing Keith Richards there in the background, you know, Stones, uh, one of my all time favorite bands. Um, you know, they put out some stinkers in terms of album cover, like in last, <laughs> you know, uh, so it's, it's with them, it's either really great and cool or like Tattoo You, for example. Yeah, that's one of my favorite covers. Yeah. Although that's the pack the back cover, yeah. Um, yeah. I would love to work with the Stones. I always have, I'm a big U two fan, and because I mm. I mean the band itself, but not so much in recent years because I, I think they they just kind of lost their their fire. Um, but I always was, you know, they had really strong visuals, um, great photography and simple, clean design, which I love as well. Um, uh, Actually, you know, one of the bands I was kind of uh, on it over the last few years, but I just couldn't get a point person to respond to my emails that I tried to, you know, be very professional about is ACDC, you know, when we heard that Oh, the guys are back in the studio in Vancouver. I remember these pictures, and and there was a a person I found at the the accounting firm in New York that I would write to this person, like, hi, you know, very introduce myself. This is what I do. Is work with, and I would just never get any uh, response, and I'm like, "Mm." but I tried a few times. I'm like, I want to work with (laughs) ACDC. Um, that's cool You know, maybe it'll happen one day that those guys will make another record because that's, that's what they do you know? and I love ACDC um, so but you know I, I don't uh, at the same time I don't try to force things I don't force myself yeah. upon people um, I, I'm a big believer in things ha- have to happen in an organic way because if they don't, because I've had a few instances over the last 20 or so years where I pushed too much. Tried, I want to get this job. I want to get this project, and then for some reason it didn't work out, and or you know something went sour at some point or before it even started. So you know you realize like, um, and that's part of you know growing up and learning, getting smarter. Like, know your boundaries. Know your how to deal with people.
2: Yeah, yeah be professional. You yeah, know.
3: yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm just a kid from a small town in Switzerland who one wants to do album covers. <laughs> and
0: who made his dreams come true through hard work and talent and
3: conviction. Conviction is actually a, a very a key word, I think. I mean, yeah, literally like... It's like following it, that calling, but being realistic in the sense that like, okay, what if I really suck at being a designer? You know, yeah, there's people that they still want to pursue that. And then, you know, like, no, you you, you should become a, a chef or whatever, you know? Right. So, yeah, I mean, you, you got to be good at what you're doing. And, you know, I, I just do what I can do. I'm not the best in my field, but maybe I'm a like likable guy. Um, I've struck a lot of great friendships with people, whether the you know, musicians or photographers or people at record labels or, you know, other clients or. Um, yeah.
0: Well, we. So much appreciate you giving us your time. I think we probably have time for one more question from each of us before we let you go. So, uh, Mike, you have a question?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, from what I read too, Tom, I think uh, part of that uh, assistance has been through uh, Sesame Street, correct? Uh, In terms of, you know, in in terms of like, you know, the upbringing and and the uh, the influence of Sesame Street, you know, the the PBS. uh...
3: Oh, uh, where do I talk about this? Oh, is that in the it's a previous interview yeah, yeah yeah um yeah yeah well um yeah because in in the in the early 70s we lived uh, a little bit north of new york city and my dad was working for a swiss pharmaceutical company and so i was you know thrown into this american culture of yeah mickey mouse sesame street and fisher Price toys you know
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and yeah um that sure was I mean Walt Disney was a big influence, and you know create uh, creating stuff, and you know create <laughs> i mean you guys are musicians, it's like, okay, here's the best guitar in the world now, write me a great song uh well, I'm not inspired today, you know, so <laughs> I mean uh, but um yeah a lot of my my inspiration comes from American pop culture.
2: You know, mm-hmm. Andy
3: Warhol is a, is a huge inspiration of mine. Um, yeah, that whole.
0: Okay. And then I got to tell you our Andy Warhol story. <laughs> <laughs> so, John and I are in Pittsburgh, like what, sixth, seventh grade. We're taking guitar lessons. Mm-hmm. And then, after we do, do our guitar lessons, we go to the library where you can listen to music, yep. right? And uh, this guy dressed all in black with this shock of white hair and this colostomy bag or some kind of medical bag coming, you know, attached to his side comes up to us. And he goes, hey, are you guys musicians? <laughs> and we, we go, yeah. And he goes, you musicians look all alike what what are you doing now, you know? And we go, well, we're gonna go to the library to listen to some music. And he goes, oh, okay, cool, can I come with you? And we go, yeah, okay, you know? And he goes, yeah, maybe I'll work with you someday, you know? And so he gets there in the library and he gets out a Jimi Hendrix record and he's listening to it in headphones. And he counts down like, you know, like from 10 to one. And then he jumps on the table and starts, playing air guitar to this record that he's listening to. And everybody in the library is staring at this guy like he's a lunatic. And we're like, oh my God, Like, where did this guy come from? And it was only after we did this that we looked amongst ourselves and we said, you know, not too many people look like that. I think that was Andy Warhol. (laughs) And we're like, no, no, it couldn't have been Andy Warhol. And then we look in the paper and it says that he was just down the street at CMU that weekend giving a lecture. You know, uh, and we go. Oh, yeah, I
1: guess it probably was. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> or a, a wannabe. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, who knows? I'm going to tell everybody it was Andy Warhol, even if it wasn't. So you know.
3: Yeah. I asked uh, Paul Stanley once. Every now and then, when I talk to those guys, which which is not all that often, but because they're usually when you work on a project, it's about work. But Paul, sure. when when you catch him and you get the sense, okay, he's got a moment to chat. I remember asking him once, uh, you know, I'm dying to know the late '70s in New York City, like that whole scene. I, did Did you ever meet Eddie um, Andy Warhol? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, several times at you know these parties and social gatherings and stuff. And and one evening at a party, yeah, they just put out, I think, Love Gun, you know, so they were huge. Andy Warhol approached Paul and said, I want to paint you, but out of makeup. And Paul's like, that would be great. I would love that. Um, When do you have time? And Paul says, well, we're leaving for Japan tomorrow. (sighs) So when I get back and then um, Paul goes, and then the following week he died. you know, oh. some, it was something oh. to that extent. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? He's like, I know, it's mm. like. <laughs> wow, wow. But actually, if I can talk about this guitar, which is not there as a prop, but uh, another, uh, <laughs> just sure. coincidentally, um you know, one of the things I'm also super stoked about that I got to work with Eddie Van Halen.
0: And, yeah i know he was a hero to you yeah uh,
3: um you. i i got to uh launch his uh merch brand the evh uh brand um it was about 10 11 12 years ago or so you know how like a lot of fans would um including me buy red uh converse sneakers and he'd take some white and black paint and and you uh you painted like like this guy right (laughs) Uh and so so one afternoon i i was thinking to myself like why don't they make official like eddie van halen sneakers like and so i sat down and i just went on the commerce website and i grabbed some screenshots of like just red you know and i brought them into photoshop and applied the stripes and everything and I sent to my, my friend who was working with him. And I said, hey, can you show this to Ed and like see what he says? Because it's like ridiculous. Like all these fans are making their own, own sneakers. But why don't we start something with, with him? A brand he needs, you know? And literally like, I don't know, the next day or my friend called me back. He's like, Ed wants to start a merch, merch, his own merch brand. <laughs> That's so, awesome. you know, we got into it and t-shirts, hoodies, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so that, that was, uh, again, it kind of happened to somebody had, you know, and, uh, yeah, it was it was cool. I I've known him for about, well, 20, 25 years and see him every now and then and text and, uh, yeah, so that's that's one thing that uh, I'm super stoked about that I got to work with Eddie Van Halen. I, I, I probably out of all the musicians, I mean, he's like you know King Edward.
2: <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also too, I've, I've you know I've always said when you go to the airport and you're trying to claim your luggage you know, as it comes down the you know the chute, people say, "Oh, that's my bag. Why is that your bag? Because it's black." Well, everybody's got a black bag. I always said paint the luggage like Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> It'll stand out straight away. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody's done it yet. So, you know, there's right. always hope.
3: <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, I had ideas for like, you know, surfboards and mm-hmm. uh, whatever, okay. you know, uh, snowboards. And oh, maybe they'll make it one day. But that's not, not, not my decision. But yeah. No. Uh, so yeah, that's one thing I've, I've I've been super happy. Yeah, I would say more than Stoke because Stoke is kind of cheesy, SoCal word which I actually never happy. Uh, happy is better. Happy is better. Uh, and I got to do two coffee table books, one about him and one about the mm-hmm. band with my friend Neil slozauer the photographer. And actually, I was the last time I think that was the last. I, I was a lot, no, it wasn't the last time I saw him, but when I brought by the the Eddie Van Halen book, uh, I sat on the couch with him. I mean, you know, it's like, not that I want to elevate this man to like, oh, he was this whatever, because people are people, right? So just because somebody's famous and has that crazy talent doesn't make you a better person uh, over, you know, the electrician that comes to your house. But, you know, there's those moments like, I'm sitting on a couch with Eddie Van Halen and he's looking through the book that I just designed. And, and then, uh, then he got up and I got up and he gave me a hug and a kiss. Like he always does with with people that he cares about. And he's like, good job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's gotta be immensely gratifying.
3: Yeah. You know, and you know, I've, I've been up to 5150 a whole bunch of times over the years and um, you know, seeing the guitars and the gear and you know, the two inch tapes and all these boxes with wondering what's on all, all these recordings that nobody's ever heard. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what there is. I have a slight vague idea of, you know, some, a few things, but hopefully, you know, uh, Wolf will carry on and he will, you know, Wolf will carry on yeah. the, uh, the, the Van Halen flag, uh, and the legacy, and, uh, you know, he's already proven himself, in my opinion. That, that kid's a, just insane. I mean, his musical capabilities. I mean, and uh, he, he'll do well. And, you know, hopefully he'll, one day he'll deal with the, the legacy of the band and his dad's recordings. And hopefully it'll come out one day and they'll hire me to do, uh, box set, <laughs> there
2: you go. Hey, I they're, mean, they're releasing like another Prince record, you know, apparently in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, anything's possible, right, right? But
3: you know, again, I'm not banking on it, I'm not pushing for it. I mean, I've met Wolf a bunch of times, he's a great dude. Um, if you know, things work out, things happen great. If not, you know, I go on with my life and do my thing, and yeah, just yeah.
0: John, did you have
3: any last I, questions?
0: I've answered all of
1: them. Yeah, I've got it. Okay, so, great. Well, yeah,
0: I'm good. Um, the, the only last thing I got for you, Tom, is: um, Do you see any trends where album art design is going? Are there any like things that you see that blow you away that you think that's the future of the kind of thing I'm doing here, or are there pet peeves where you're like I don't like where this is going? I wish people wouldn't do that.
3: No, that's a really good question. I mean i really don't know to be honest i mean and at the same time i haven't really paid as much attention to what's been coming out maybe over the last five years like i used to be really obsessed like oh what's the you know the new this and new that can compare everything and somehow like i don't know maybe i'm i'm not saying i'm not i'm less interested but maybe other things have become more important in my life or you know like i you know probably like all of it, i when the new guitar world issue come out i run to the newsstand the first day and like who's on the cover what's the you know like i don't buy that stuff anymore and i it's it's just not that important anymore like i'd rather like go play around a golf with my daughter mm. you know that's that's um so i'm not as obsessed over uh design especially with album i still of course appreciate good design but now it could be more a piece of furniture or you know um, i couldn't really tell you right now i kind of like the acdc thing because it was so primitively simple <laughs> you know the, the logo and the, the the light and stuff but um I, I tend to go back to the classics uh, that the, the, the covers the album art that inspired me you know some of them I mentioned like ghost in the machine and um, yeah you
1: know,
3: that actually I mean um, I actually the the art director he had a, a speech at Art Center some years ago when I was still a student and and uh, he was talking about somebody. like, oh, well, how did that come about? And he's like, well, I, I was in London, met with uh, Sting and probably Stewart. Mm-hmm. And they said the title is Ghost in the Machine, come back in four days with an idea or ideas. And he's like, how do I translate this into a visual? The next day in his junk mail, you remember how we used to get these like uh, digital pocket calculators like you know, some chunk mail stuff. Like, of course, they always broke, and so he got one of those, and and the the, the numbers were all messed up because it was broken, and he's like, oh, Ghost to the machine, and so basically the digits that were on his broken calculator that became the cover, and you know, Sting thought it was brilliant. So like, I love stuff. I, I love stuff like that. You know, like things like. Come about by complete chance or default, or you, in the moment where you're not thinking about it.
1: And the
0: guy staying at your house happens to be a heart surgeon that has yeah. pictures yeah. that you can blow <laughs> up and repurpose. Yes. And yeah, that's magic. Yeah,
3: exactly. Um, yeah, or like, of course, you know, I'm a big fan of art, like, uh, you know, Picasso and some of the master painters and, you know, other graphic designers that I don't want, you know, we don't need to go into, but. So uh, I tend to go back to the the masters when I need inspiration. But at the same time, yeah, I get inspired like driving through the city and seeing, I don't know, stuff on walls, whether it's, you know, art, like graffiti or whatever it is. Or I mean, inspiration always hits when you least expect it. I think the good stuff
1: mm-hmm.
3: happens when... You know, not when you're taking your guitar and like, okay, now I'm gonna write a hit song. Like, no, that's not what's happening.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Well, thank you for taking the time for this interview. This was really wonderful and we all appreciate it. And uh thank you for inspiring us with your amazing work through all these years, and we look forward to seeing the new stuff you come up with in the future, because uh, it's probably too much to ask you to contemplate what the future of rock and roll graphics is when you're just too busy making it, so.
3: Yeah, yeah, I have, I have no clue. I mean, it, I, I take it as it comes. I mean, especially with this this past year, it's like one day at a time, one week at a time, because don't, don't bother making any plans, really, you know, but... Uh... <laughs> It's, you know, things happen the way they happen. Uh,
0: well, this was awesome. It was yeah. educational and inspirational. We appreciate oh,
3: thank it. Thank you guys. Yeah, it was
0: fun. Cool. Glad you enjoyed yourself. And then we'll be back next week. We will take an in depth look at Motley Crue Theater of Pain.
1: <laughs> All right.